0: So if you have a need mindset, okay, I need to pay my mortgage, I need to have this much to pay for my car bill, I need to do my groceries, I need to do this, I need to do that, you'll get stuck in this point of earning just slightly more than you need. But If you think yeah. about what you want, what do I want my life to look like, yeah. what do I want to do for work? Have an abundance mindset, believe that this thing will come or you'll yeah. you'll come up with this idea for this next event or this next partnership that, or whatever. Yeah, you live in a totally different way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Founder Stories. I am here with the CEO and founder of 23 Group, Mr. Steve Orton. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Um, we actually have crossed paths in a number of ways. We'll get into that, but let's start out if we can. This is a bit different today because all the podcasts up to this point, we've had business owners that have got traditional businesses, maybe not bricks and mortar, but they've got payroll, they've got team, they've got those kind of traditional challenges. Today we're speaking to you as an expert, someone who's built a really powerful network and that's enabled you, well, plus your own skill, to get (laughs) where you are today. You know, previously you've been one of the founding members of PerformX, which I spoke at this year, unbelievable event in health and fitness. One of the founders of Body Power, which again, if people are into health and fitness, will know straight away just from that name. Although I don't know if that is a trademark name, but it's just one of those that-
1: It's a bit of a legacy. It's had, a legend.
0: Yeah, It's so like a legend. blockbuster, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> it's so- It's not
1: around anymore.
0: <laughs> but it was the thing, right, within health and fitness. And, and you were one of the founders of that. So I think it'd be super interesting today for our viewers and our listeners to hear a different kind of founder story from an individual that's found success over a, a number of years so let's get into to start with I think if we go backwards what are you doing now with 23 group and then I want to reverse back to how you got to to where you are now
1: That's yeah okay. yeah definitely no where I'm at now is is a culmination actually of the last 15-20 years that has allowed me to do what I'm doing Um so 23 group has got two entities to it it's essentially focusing on fitness and wellness um, through I guess the last 15-20 years I've built up a lot of good networks, contacts and understood what has created success for different people and I've used that to create my own consultancy yeah. To so about six months ago I was looking and thinking are events what I want to do two days a year yeah. which seems mad, everything's culminating in two days a year and I thought there's a lot of what I've done over the last X amount of years that can I can benefit and work with a lot of other brands yeah. to help them. So one of the the core focuses is focusing on partnerships, collaborations. And I think in the, this day and age as well, people realize how powerful that can be. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. And it's not always being perceived. People have been very sort of individualistic and said, right, we'll just do our own way. We're actually, you, if you partner and collaborate, there's so many more opportunities. And people that want come back. to help people. People don't realise this,
0: especially if you're starting out in business. You know, f- from growth factors perspective, our best clients come from recommendations and referrals from partners or our existing clients. Yeah, yeah, and that's always going to be the best way to grow any kind of business.
1: Yeah, and I think that's. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing all sorts of businesses from, I guess, within the fitness sector. You know, from. An education business that is looking after s courses wanting to then partner with different people through to SaaS-based companies saying, right, we need to partner and collaborate and grow. Yeah. There's just so many people that as long as there's that not that direct competition, yeah. there's growth for everyone. And I think that's massive. So the consultancy focuses a lot on partnerships growing. And I guess one of the things I see is, how I can uh, create shortcuts to commercial success for people.
0: So you're putting people together, but also using your expertise of setting up events for them or setting up. Yeah, things so to bring exactly. People together. Yeah,
1: so we're in lockdown. Actually, there's a group of us that got together, and it was an interesting. It was an interesting time, but one of the weeks we were catching up, and everyone's like, "Right, what are people's sort of um, superpowers and skill sets?" Yeah. And one of the things that came about for me that I probably wasn't fully aware of was connecting, facilitating, building relationships. Mm. And not from an egotistical arrogant. I, I'm like, well, that's just what I do. I like I speak to people, build relationships. Yeah, and you've people done go, that oh, naturally, a right? Not yeah, like people are like, me, no, that's
0: a skill. Would read a book. I would read a book, you like yeah. Chet Holmes, Ultimate Sales Machine or something <laughs> like that to try yeah. and work out how to network, categorize your contacts into A, B and C and yeah. contact A's weekly and B's monthly and C's quarterly and all these yeah, things. Yeah, and but I
1: just don't, I guess I've just done it naturally and like people saying that's what you do Steve and I was like cool okay but for me like the business comes into that and go right okay I've got consultancy partnerships and relationships is one and connecting people but then also I've been involved in events for probably since I was 15 so like 25 26 years so I'll go I'll I'll explain that as well but I've not been on the logistical side of events. I'm very much around strategy creation, relationships, the clients, yeah. understanding the industry and then saying why clients should be at our events. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, you know, Phil and people like that, they're very much more operational, logistical. Yeah. So also setting up events. So you've built a team around you where you can be the visionary and
0: then your operator or your team on the ground you have there—they're not necessarily you haven't built your business in such a way that it's a, a business with sixty people on the payroll. It's a very flexible solution where you come together as friends and contacts and, yeah, and work that, that, together to facilitate. Yeah, and that's event. a good
1: example, like with Phil and myself. Like, yeah. I think we've got very complementary skills. Like, I'm, I'm very—I've probably become really clear of my weaknesses mm. and know what I'm good at now. Yeah. An organization, the detail is not me. Whereas for Phil, he's all over that. Yeah. So I'm more like the sales going out there, speaking to people. And I've spoken to quite a few people about it. It's like, they're like that, they're like, right, we're gonna do that, feed it back to someone that is then the more detailed and say, right, well, how are we gonna work on this, 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 and this? How long did it take you to work that out though?
0: Obviously that's been one of the keys to your success, which everyone, on this podcast listening watching can take which has been a massive one for me actually that I only realized probably 10 years into my business that I'm a visionary and I don't like following things through and I yeah. need to get my team members to accept the fact and be happy that they're in those operational roles
1: yeah i that, think did
0: you know that from the outset or did you figure that out because you tried to do organization <laughs> and failed
1: yeah probably i think more trying and failing maybe and yeah. it's yeah, I, I'd say that and you know I totally get you have to be to a point organized and it's not just things are absolutely everywhere. Yeah. But probably mid-20s, I realized actually this is what I'm good at. Yeah. And I remember reading books, can't remember specific, but it got to the point of saying everyone at the time was going, work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. Mm, mm. And there was a couple of people and books saying, focus on your strengths yeah. and complement it. And bring others and in. in. To help and bring others in. And like, I've yeah. got, you know, I know you're into your sport as well. Like for yeah. me, I grew up like obsessed with sport. Like yeah. I'd watch anything and everything, played rugby, cricket for all of these things. And yeah. I've always taken um, a very sporting mentality into work of, you know, you can't have a good team with just one person or mm. you can be a half decent team with a load of individuals, yeah. but you know, take a rugby team, like size, everything comes into it. Complementary skills. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, you know, and different brands I've been involved creating, I've looked at that and said, how can I bring the sport element into business? Yeah. Um, yeah and that's why I think it's so key. We both got kids. My kids play football. And one of the reasons
0: I wanted them to have a team sport and an individual sport, you know, both our boys play tennis and yeah, yeah. we met following. Competed up from against each other. Didn't yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a tight game, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. The calories um, weren't they, didn't they? Only yeah, just <laughs> just.
0: <laughs> Having that individual sport where pressure's on them individually, they learn a lot. Yeah. So you need that in business as well, where you're going out, you maybe you're standing on stage, you're talking, you're doing the things that put you in your flow and your genius zone. Yeah but you couldn't have a football team with one person or one type of person, even at under nines where you've got seven kids in the team. You need defensive players. You need attacking players. You need flair players. You need confidence players. You need clever players.
1: Yeah. Steady players. You know, there's all, yeah, there's so many. And I, I actually remember like in a bit, not too long ago, like someone that was new working with Phil and me, for instance, and they were like, you need to sort this out guys. Like, you can't be doing working like this. Yeah. But we've done that for like 15, 20 years and you know how things work. Yeah. And someone's like, well, Steve, you should be doing that. I feel you should be doing that. And it just was a different dynamic. I think, yeah, looking at, understand what you're good at, follow through with that and really go deep in it. Yeah. But also if you can bring other people that are complementary and you can bounce off. I think one of the things I've learned is everyone's got to have the same vision. Yeah. And the same mind, like, yeah, what 100%. trajectory are we on? But if you're different personalities, that's not a problem. No. But you've got to have that bigger sort of growth mentality of, yeah. yes, we want to get there.
0: But it doesn't mean that everyone has to create the vision together, right? If you're one of the founding members of that event or company, yeah. it's your job to create the vision and then bring people on board who see your vision. Like exactly. Apple, for example, yeah. or... I was listening to one of my audio books this morning. I can't remember the name of the company, but they were speaking about a company that had a vision. And during um, COVID and the lockdown, got pulled away from that vision because they started getting involved in causes that weren't their own, supporting political causes, supporting charitable causes. And because different people in the team had different views on those political and charitable causes, it started creating fractions in the group. So they ended up coming forward and saying, look guys, we've made a mistake. Our vision is to disrupt the technology industry and make people's lives better by creating this technology. And that's it. We don't get involved in anything outside of that, rightly or wrongly. Now, if you feel like you want to leave the company because of that stance, we'll pay you this severance package, which is something like three years full salary, something crazy. But we have to be about that because otherwise we're not going to have this team that are all aligned and willing to work. you, You see that at Tony Robbins events. You know, Tony doesn't pay any of the people that work on his event apart from the senior people. Right, They're okay. all volunteering for free. Yeah, Because they buy into... They buy into yeah. Tony's vision, which is he's already a billionaire. He doesn't yeah. need to make money by running events. People yeah, yeah. watch his stuff and think, he's trying to con me into making money. He's got more than enough money. Yes, yeah, He's trying to con you, in a commas, to get to his event because he knows he can that it will benefit you. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's super important. Do you use, before we reverse back to... <laughs> how you got here do you use any tools or frameworks or anything when you're assessing people to come on to your team
1: or is it gut feel gut is massive like literally even yesterday i was like certain things i was like in the last year i've i've totally not well that's probably wrong totally but the gut feeling is massive yeah but i think also definitely when people have come involved like for instance, bringing salespeople on it can be a nightmare. Yeah. Because if you are in sales, an interview, for instance, you'll be decent. Yeah. So, but when it gets the real life stuff, are I can't you actually tell that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think decent. It, it it's almost so simple to me. Some of the things is if someone's a decent person mm. and you get that vibe, if they follow through with what they say, and then if they actually do the things. Yeah that's part of it. And then their skills, remember, I've seen it quite a lot recently where people have talked about actually just get good people. Yeah. And you can either teach them or you can they can have good, certain skills.
0: Good people to you or good people to me are people that their values align, align with your values, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can ask them <coughs> questions and examples if you're interviewing people which will give you and, you know, an idea, an indication of if you would have dealt with that situation in this way and they're dealing with it in a totally opposite way, their exactly. values yeah, don't yeah, align Yeah, totally, you.
1: yeah. And value, things like values, morals, all of those things to me are, and over the last probably three, four years, yeah. I've been through situations where that's sort of tested me going, why and what really matters. Yeah. And it comes down to a lot of values and morals. That's having kids as well, yeah. For you, right? Totally. And then you start yeah, yeah. to look at different priorities, and
0: there's this big conflict all the time between which I speak about with every podcast guest that's been on so far that's got kids. The balance between you fulfilling your own potential whilst also providing them a dream life versus yeah. the time that you spend with them. And it's that's difficult just, to get it, isn't it? Yeah, that's something else. Yeah. But I, so I would say a good lesson there is, which again probably took us five or six years to to learn at Grow Factor. And we, at five or six years, we ended up almost firing the whole accounting team, Okay, rehiring at a more senior level and doing yeah. it on a culture values approach yeah, yeah. rather than a, you went to this university and you've got this degree yeah. and all of these things. And we'd bring in these really smart people, but they weren't aligned with my
1: values or the company's yeah, yeah. values or the vision. And also, did you, going back to that point of view, was it the mentor? like not, obviously you've got to have some young people and they've got to find their way through, but you buy cheap, you buy twice, type thing. Whereas actually, yeah, if you 100%. go in a bit senior, pay more. Yeah. You know you're going to get good, and yeah, that's so we the values and everything. Come yeah, hundred
0: percent. And they already know they know who they are as a as a human being. are like you can get young people who are really really mature nowadays. Yeah. A bit different to 10, 15 years ago, I guess. People mature early and they understand their values because of the amount of education that's out there and yeah. self discovery and all <clears> these things that are happening with things like this podcast. Yeah. So people are self educating, but it was a case of. We wanted to provide a pathway for accountants to get qualified to become chartered accountants. So we'd hire them younger and we felt like we could shape them then. Yeah, yeah. But what we realized is, you know, a human being is a human being and their values are already in them at 21, 22. Yeah. And you can't change who they fundamentally are. So you're better off hiring a, now we now hire a, 27, 30, 32 fully qualified, experienced yep. people.
1: So you know they've got a certain level, Yeah, but then, then it comes down to the person and- Yeah, the and they're more
0: stable as yeah, an individual. Yeah. So then we're saying, well, let's interview them, but let's also meet them face-to-face. Let's go out for lunch, let's go on a social, let's do these yeah. things that take them out of a normal environment. Yeah, That maybe a salesperson can kid you once or twice, but once, then you go for dinner, if they drink, give them a few beers, see how they yeah. react. Then, yeah, yeah, and and so well, I've, on I've so had forth. that, like,
1: like I said, a friend who plays professional sport, and we were talking about like he joined a new club and all that, and I'm not, it's not obviously for everyone, but he was like going out for a few beers is the way you get to know people, yeah, and like when they let their guard down how they are, are they a decent human? And I'm not saying alcohol is everything. But no, but if they Asian. don't
0: drink, say yeah. my business partner's Muslim, he doesn't drink. Put them, them in a, a social in a relaxed setting. social exactly. state, yeah, whether yeah. you're having a cigar, everything I talk about is getting inebriated in some <laughs> way. <laughs> or doing a sport or doing an activity or, you know, just... Yeah, just
1: put them in their place where they're comfortable.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they become yeah. themselves yeah. and their guard is down and then you can see who people exactly, really are. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's go back. So you said you've been involved in events since you were 15. What yeah. did that look like?
1: So I get so going right back, so... What was your primary sport out of interest? Because I don't... Rugby know it. Okay. was, yeah. Yeah, so I played rugby at school as well. So I played school, got um, like at 16, got a scholarship to another school. What position? Um, so inside centre. Okay. Um, so when I was based in Sully Hall, got a scholarship over to Bromsgrove... Um and basically, yeah, from that point, I actually boarded for a couple of years. Yeah. And it was probably the best couple of well, apart from you, best couple of years of my life. Yeah. Um, but that was because I was playing sport every day. Okay. As well as obviously being at school, but you had people around you that were going about the same thing. They all wanted to play rugby, they all wanted to be really good. They were playing good standard. Mm. So you were either brought up to that yeah. standard yeah. or is expected to be. Of that standard whether it was fitness tests or skills whatever yeah
0: um and you're so in a place where you could focus your time and attention on what at that time was your
1: yeah biggest passion yeah right? massively and and it, it's actually interesting from from positional and rugby and i don't know if it's got a real link back but playing at that position now what i do actually the synergies of i was connecting I could make decisions on the pitch. Yeah. Do I do this? Do I connect those people? Do I, and I was the decision maker alongside the 10 next to me. Yeah, yeah. So it, was a, it was an enjoyable place. So but sport was massive for me, but yeah, going back, so my dad was a dentist. Um brother was in the pharmaceutical industry. Essentially he moved and found f- pharmacy events launched the pharmacy show okay um but even before that like massively into cars so yeah. when fast and furious was on yeah. i don't know how we got away with it but the film series was on we ran fast and furious car show in brighton and it was with modified car scenes so like max power and everything
0: oh, i used to love, to love that. I used to read max power and yeah, all yeah. that stuff all yeah. of that
1: yeah and it was it was ma- it was brilliant time how old were like- you at this point Probably fifteen. So your brother yeah.
0: was running that. He was he was the main happy. guy running it. Yeah, and yeah. I yeah. Was like,
1: so it was like in summer holidays, Easter. Yeah, I'd go in. Literally, it was back in no social media. Remember? Yeah, it was how do you get the message out? So it was like flyering. We were literally doing around Brighton, door to door, everywhere, cars, like guerrilla marketing a lot. Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. Um, and it like some of those times were amazing. Like you can't you know, almost recreate those things nowadays. But yeah, so I got into that event side of things quite young, really, Mm. but doing it as a bit of a summer job, helping out all those things. Yeah. Um, And then that developed, I went to uni, came out of it. And I guess like my old man died at what, when I was 23. So my my final year at uni, all my mates were doing like, They're going, I'm going to do this graduate job. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'll find that. Went home and I found this um, job in Birmingham. I remember it clearly. It was called White Night Marketing Graduate Scheme. Yeah. I'll do that. What did you do at uni? So I did business and sports science. Okay. Yeah. Didn't really, well, I suppose I have used it, but. Why did you stop playing rugby? I got in. So when I was 18, I taught my ACL in an England trial um so I was out for about 18 months and then I just put you out of the cycle put me out so I went back played at uni but not a brilliant level it was an all right level yeah but you'd had that amount of time out that time out and then I was like right am I I suppose it's that thing am I going to make a career out of it or not yeah yeah no got a couple more injuries and then played socially but you got to an amazing level to have England roles right yeah, it's decent, but there's a lot. Of, do you know what? The amount of people go, oh, I could have been this. I could have, and it was good. It was a good level, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. But do you but- think, here's the question, do you
0: think if you'd have not got injured, so I'm always saying to my kids, the footballers that you see on TV, yeah, they're the ones that never faltered, mm-hmm. never got injured, typically, Yeah, and consistently carried on getting better every single day. Yeah. Some of them, the 20%, like a Messi. If you see his kid, I saw a reel of Matteo Messi he's called, I think, his little kid. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable he is. Yeah. He's beating like 14-year-olds. He's like seven. Yeah. You've got those natural, but the 80%, like I say, Tyrone Mings, who used to live next door, he's just done hard work and effort to claw his way Way out of all the way up. Do you think that if you'd have not got injured and you'd have carried on and had that mental state of yeah I'm going to make it and just kept working hard you would have got your chance to play professional
1: yeah I I probably I think I would have played professional whether it be in Premiership or National 1 or something like that I think it was you know a few years down the line I went you know and played at Coventry who were at the time National 1 and I was just off the pace yeah like having that time out I was like and that that almost said to me give it a break Steve Mm. like and by the yeah, pos- it's always an if and maybe, but I think I'd have played at a decent level. Like yeah. a lot of the guys I was playing with played high level. Yeah. Um, but I think it. Yeah. I I was 17, 18. I was probably going back to that thing of being focused. I wanted to be out on a Saturday night as mm. well with my mates. Yeah, yeah. And it's difficult, you know. I remember having the injury, going to hospital, being like crutches and everything, but I knew everyone was out at, I can't remember what the club was back in the day in Birmingham. Yeah. And I was like, I've got to go out. And probably if I'd have been, and there's a lot of people I see now that are young and they're so focused. Mm. It may be if I'd have had a slightly different mentality. Yes. And I could have got back quicker on my rehab or, but that's also age and maturity. I think that comes yeah, in. And
0: it doesn't necessarily mean you have to choose that path because if you choose the path of, I'll guess a more well-rounded yeah. growing up period. Yeah, yeah. You have all these different experiences that that dedicated person will make it and they've chosen that life. Yeah. But the person that says, do you know what? I love it, but I'm not willing to sacrifice these social connections and yeah. nights out and holidays and all these other things which you have to. Yeah, yeah. And you make that choice consciously yeah. and then you're okay. It sounds, seems to me like you don't look back with regret. You look back like, well, this was the path that, I was meant to be on, and I don't really
1: Yeah, I, I love it. I loved it. I still follow it ridiculously, but at the end of the day, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, Um and I think, yeah, you can't. I, you kind of regrets really. Like for me, I'm like, yeah, I got injured, tried to come back, but I think in hindsight, I've been quite good at realizing when the right time to move on is mm. as well, mm. you know whether that's from that point of view or a business decision, you know, previously like I'd use, you know, I've hung around it and I'm like, Oh, is this the right time? And I've made some quite hard decisions. And sometimes my, my decisions have been quite quick fire yeah. and I've not had anything lined up to go about, but I've always got in my mind, I'll make something happen. Yeah. It's just sort of a, an inbuilt thing. I'm like, like my wife says to me sometimes, she's like, oh, what you do? Like, it'll be fine. I'll sort it out. I'll work a way around it or don't worry about this. And she's the one worrying. And I'm yeah. like, it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, because when we spoke recently at tennis, I mean, we'll get onto the specifics of it, but you're kind of in between things. Yeah. But that doesn't strike me as anything, like you've just said, that is an issue or you're concerned about. And do you know what? I was listening to this audio book as well, and it's, it's talking about the mindset of successful people is need versus want. So if you have a need mindset, okay, I need to pay my mortgage. I need to have this much to pay for my car bill. I need to do my groceries. I need to do this. I need to do that. You'll get stuck in this point of earning just slightly more than you need. Yeah. But if you think yeah. about what you want, what do I want my life to look like? Yeah. What do I want to do for work? Have an abundance mindset. Believe that this thing will come or you'll yeah. you'll come up with this idea for this next event or this next partnership. Yeah, that, or yeah that's, You live yeah. in a totally different way.
1: Yeah, I think that. It's so true, and for me, I like being quite an idea-focused person, mm. I've always got ideas, and it maybe doesn't align with what I've done previously, directly, say, purely an event, but actually yeah. I know, and what I do as well a lot of the time is not try and reinvent the wheel, is look at other verticals at other industries, yeah. what's happening there, right, in my, say, sector of health and fitness or wellness, yeah. right, does that happen? No. Why is that? Go and go and do some insights and research. Speak to a load of my peers. Yeah. Do you do this? Do you do it? no? Do the research, and
0: then launch something. Yeah. Do you know what that's making me think of? I guess because I'm a little bit hungry at the moment as well. <laughs> piri piri chicken in Lisbon yeah. and Nando's. Hey. Yeah. Exactly. That's got to be the number one yeah. example of. I don't know who started it, but I'm on holiday in Lisbon. I'm eating piri piri chicken. It's amazing. Do we have this in England? No. Would it be successful? Yeah. Are the margins good? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nando's. Yeah. Happy days. And it's
1: it like even last night I mentioned to you I was watching Air again, the yeah. Jordan Knight, and it's that calculated risk. Yeah. Like uh, uh, you know people respond. I put it something on LinkedIn this morning and people are like oh you know about risk and I'm like yeah totally, but there's got to be a bit of a calculation there. Mm. It's not just stupidity and yeah you're just going to do whatever. But
0: you need to take risks throughout your
1: career. Again, in a different book, I was reading about
0: you need to put your freedom on the line yeah. at a certain point in order to keep stepping
1: forward massively. Yeah, or you I, choose I, to stay where you I've are. I've seen that. I got I look out so comfortable yep. in a couple of places, and actually stepping out of it and thinking, "Shit, what am I going to do?" Oh, I've been accustomed to this, or I'm known for this. I'm one of I'm quite a people pleaser as well. I've realised, so I'm thinking. What do people think of me? Mm. Oh, I've got to do this. Yeah. And actually, not as many people care. And actually, you realize who values you. And then you step out of your comfort zone and you go, wow, there's a massive world and opportunity there. Yeah. But because you've, you're so accustomed to something, it's like, oh, be But mo-
0: Yeah. Most people won't know they'll stay in comfort. Yeah. But yeah. you need to be seeking discomfort.
1: Yeah. Massively, which is something it's that, that Godin talks about all the time. Yeah, right? being comfortable, feeling uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're feeling too comfortable, and maybe you should ask yourself that on a weekly basis, you're probably not doing the right things. Okay, yeah. so going back, you looked yeah. at this graduate scheme. So, the
1: graduate scheme didn't want to. I didn't want to be those people that was just. I'm going into my family business. Yeah, I was I? Like, I need to prove something. So Did, your family business was the events business. So the events business. So yeah, yeah, brother had set that up. Okay. Said, look, come and join us doing this, and I was like, no. Was a bit lost in reality after what happened. Graduate scheme turned up, and it was basically commission only work, door to door sales. <laughs> there's you, It was literally there's your black bag. Go out to wherever, knock doors. That. I guess, was probably the biggest grinding in sales for me as well. Yeah. No, 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 no. Non-stop and just carrying on. Yeah. Did that for nine months and then moved into recruitment. Did two years of recruitment. Got some really good sales training again there. Yeah, I love and- recruitment. I
0: think recruitment teaches you so much. My first yeah. two clients for Growth Factor, three clients, Yeah. Um, were recruiters. Yeah. And just learning from working with them and their personalities and their mindsets. And you it's- have to have that. Yeah. Positive big picture mindset to be a successful yeah, and just go out there
1: and speak to people. And yeah, I'd always, I think for me as well. And my wife says to me, like, I could put you next to a stone and you speak to it. Like, <laughs> I'm quite happy, like, I could go into a room and speak to anyone. Yeah, and that, like, that actually goes back. I've it's one of those Perfect things, like, podcast I, guest. Yeah, I look and like, I my, my dad being a dentist, I was put on reception at like the age of 10. He was like, right, it was in Holbrooks in Coventry, yeah. had all different kinds of people coming in. He was like, you're an reception. So he had, like, I was having to then deal with all different people. And I think yeah. that was a really good grounding Great as well. Great from
0: his perspective to, to understand that, what that would give you,
1: the yeah. skills, the yeah, life yeah. skills. Yeah. I think it was, it was obviously his business and he was like, you're my son, I want you... And like you say, maybe he thought more of it and this is why I'm going to do it. But for me, it allowed me to speak to guys coming in suits, people that work at Massey Ferguson, all yeah. different sorts of people. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so did that. Recruitment helped the graduate scheme, if you want to call it that, helped. And then it was almost time to go, right, let's go back. So I went back into the events world, Yeah, dealing with clients. That was... Pharmacy show, dentistry show. So it was always linked to a passion or a role, so pharmaceutical industry, pharmacy, dentistry, dentistry show. Yeah. Um, and then that went up to about two thousand and eight, and that's when one of the guys who actually has got a gym down in London called Matt and Al, um, real good guy called Matt Bevan. He was into his fitness probably more than anyone, mm. and because
0: at this point you're doing dental and pharma events but you're still it's all really b sport you're yeah yeah exactly massively
1: that, into your own strength and conditioning yeah training different ways or yeah. always being in and around the gym or playing sport Matt was going Mr Olympia that's what he brought up at the time at that time the b2b trade business was going through a transaction um, with a me, another media business they were only focused on b2b the concept of body power was a consumer-based show yeah they basically said we don't want to be involved and they basically said all of those people you're talking about x y and z that are linked to them it's not going to work anyway that transpired that the industry was actually on a massive trajectory protein brands. Oh, yeah. Everything was coming through at Wellness that time. Wellness is the fastest growing industry, right? Yeah. Which encompasses health and fitness. Yeah. So people like PhD, nutrition, you know, muscle fitness, all those guys were some of my first clients back at Body Power in 2009. Um, but essentially, yeah, that concept came about of saying, right. And in with that entrepreneurial spirit as well, it was very much going back. Is there anything in the events industry that targets this market? Yeah. No. Can we bring those people over from the sale of that business? There was the ability to then take people over to a new side of the business and launch body power. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it was, so this is a conversation between you and Matt at this point. So there was no, there was four or five of us involved. Okay. There was two, like my brother and his, the partner of the bid that business. Yeah. And then myself, and Matt really, and I think Phil was there possibly. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's very much going, right, let's go and do this. Not, not a world that really we touched at all, as yeah. in speaking to clients, but that was going from idea to a full business. Um, so that's how Body Power started. Yeah, yeah. And so, in your
0: first year and your first event of Body Power, yeah, I can rem- I can remember <laughs> it clearly. Yeah. Well, how many people came to what so, Uh eight
1: thousand two hundred and sixteen. To so be specific. C- I've got all the numbers. I can remember like So that. you've
0: gone from running events which ultimately you've got the blueprint for because you've seen your brother do it. So you're sort of running it together in a way, to running your own event in a new industry and you've got yeah. eight. And he
1: 000. was involved he was involved as okay.
0: so, yeah, he was. And so he's involved. able to help in terms of How do we attract people to the event? How do we convert them to buy tickets? Yeah, and and we'd seen that logistically and all those things. Yeah,
1: and we like and not like I said, almost logistically operationally, that's never really been my bag. Yeah, whereas it was going right. You've got a consumer and you've got a brand. Yeah, I can understand how to connect them and why and my role. Was to go out to the clients and say, we're gonna get X amount of thousand people yeah. that are your audience. Which you don't have yet. Which you don't have. Yeah. And you're selling a your dream. <laughs> yeah. And to the consumers saying, at the time, I guess, you know, the Ronnie Colemans, the Jay Cutlers, none of those guys had really been to the UK. Yeah. A couple of bodybuilding shows. Um, but none of them had come over. And there was that underground swell of bodybuilding was growing and mm. big and so essentially we brought people from America that yeah. had never been to the UK and people got to see them. And I guess one of the elements was, I think we were supposed to have Victor Martinez come over. Yeah, I remember. I remember. He couldn't get a visa. And Dorian Yates was involved. he's been in trouble before, right? Yeah, yeah. So then Nick was speaking to Dorian and Dorian was like, look, I can get this guy called Kai Green. Like he's not known at all. And we're like, okay, yeah. if, if Dorian sort of says it, let's do it. Now we know what Kai's become. Yeah. I'm like a phenomenon. Yeah. Um so yeah, it got him over. But yeah, and it, you know, the thing is for events, especially in those first years, you don't have really pre-ticket sales. It's a lot it was a lot of walk-up. Okay. So it's not like here and now that you can go right. See, you've I got, couldn't deal with that. You've obviously,
0: you know It's the adrenaline what, though. Like yeah, what so separates big. you from other people has got to be that personality trait of backing yourself. Because even I think I'm confident, but not to the point of backing myself to sell something that doesn't exist, but you know it will happen, yeah. and not have pre-sales. Yeah, and it just and all flows through. You could through sort of feel something
1: happening, but literally, you got there in the morning and you're like, "Shit, there's loads of people here." This is, do you know, like it was yeah. like the biggest, the massive stress, and I guess at that time I. For me, in a way, I didn't have as big a financial stress yeah. of investing all the money into it. But I'd also said to all of these clients, We're gonna get all these people. Now yeah. if those consumers hadn't attended those clients, it was on me, yeah. they'd never have turned up again. Yeah. Um, so, so did you I have put, certain
0: metrics that you track to have an indication of how many people might turn up?
1: Yeah, there was there was always, I guess, some metrics of I guess that were people, Facebook was just around. Yeah. So we were using, you could see the, the conversation growing. Um, there was an element of buying, but like I said, that was such a small proportion, mm. but it was just that groundswell of, I guess it was like looking back now, actually, there wasn't, there was metrics, but it wasn't as like, we've got all the digital stuff we can look at. We've got this, 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 it was, yeah, is there a vibe? Is there a feeling of it? Some, you know, We've got some tickets sold, but I think as well, and going back to partnerships and everything, like working with a client to me yeah. is not like a transaction all the time. Yeah. It's about building a relationship, building a partnership. So how can you work with them to get the most out of their audience to so go, right, they're a distributor. They've got access to tens of thousands of people or gyms or whatever. Yeah. How can we then work with them to get that audience. Okay. So there's always, in my head, that was one of the big things of how Multiply can we do that? your who, own reach. Yeah. Yeah. Who can we strategically partner with Yeah, or eke out as much and for- And they'll promote
0: people. the event for you, right? Because yeah, it's, it's in their interest.
1: It's in their because interest. Because they want
0: more people to come because they yeah. basically got stands or they're doing shows or whatever. Yeah. Like a Gymshark, for example. Yeah. They might have someone speaking, they might have the product there, and also it's just brand building. Yeah. So it's in their interest to say, We're at Body Power. For yeah, example.
1: totally. And I think that it's, you know, those guys are a great example of they had the YouTubers, the Ogus, Lovados, Jeff Seed, all those guys, and they knew them as sort of friends and they yeah. had that under underground sort of community. Then they invite them over. And I think Ben and people say, like, when you, with the day of influencers now, yeah. back then they were happy with a flight over to the UK yeah. to then come to an event, be part of that stand. But then for any brand that, and I've learned it a lot recently is some companies just stand and expect and go, "Ah, oh, brilliant, come along. Well, actually, if it's way more of a partnership and a relationship built mentality, everyone like you said everyone wins like mm. yes bring some of your clients but actually then they tell more people They t- and it's consistently evolving and it's that yeah. sort of compounding mentality yeah um and that's where body power got to was it became really the place if you're in health and fitness is where you went
0: yeah it's the it was the event right so i guess after the first year you can then market all year and have pre-ticket sales. So you have an exact you, yeah. you, yeah, yeah. you have an ability to, to scale yeah, and that's sort of the double- quality of the people that come yeah. because you know how many people have already pre-booked tickets, you can estimate how many people will also turn up on the day. Yeah. And not and then- not as
1: and you know, the truth is in the first year, not many people are going to know about it in yeah. reality. Yeah. But and I go back to it, if someone, whatever you do, if someone has a good experience, whether it's going for a meal, going to an event and it's good yeah. they're going to talk about it so
0: the focus then has to also massively be and is that part of your role to make sure that the event was good and then to get people's feedback afterwards
1: yeah to- totally Like, and you're speaking to clients you're speaking to visitors what do you want to see yeah and it's something I've taken on board a lot with other events or things any project now I always talk about getting like an advisory group of key people of influence yeah that they feel part of something because you've asked them and they go, like, I, I feel treated really well. Mm. But then if they're brought in, they once again then speak to all of their network because it's part of their ID then. yeah, So then they're like, I'm here. I'm part of it. You yeah. should be here. And once again, it's you can't do things on your own. Yeah, Like you've got to bring people into your, going back to what you said earlier, your vision, your mentality. This is what we're trying to do. If they buy into it, yep. brilliant. And then they talk to everyone about it and you just get that groundswell of more So you're people.
0: saying as well, it's not just sharing your vision with your team. It's bringing on partners that also share your vision that yep. will promote your business for you. So if, for example, my vision is to empower business owners to fulfill their profit potential yep. by giving them that clarity on their numbers that they need, a clear strategy and minimizing their taxes, yeah. If someone that I'm in partnership with really understands that most businesses have no idea what's going on financially in their business and we're giving them clarity such that they can make decisions such to Mm -hmm. the point where you know, a growth factor client, the failure rate of a growth factor client is something like 0.5%, whereas the market is 96%. And so if someone really understands that as a part yeah, then they're going go to out other other speak to other business owners and say, they want well, I've had, had a great
1: experience. Yeah. It's, it's that word, like you say, it's word of mouth referral. And I guess that's where we'd, we'd call it referral and testimonials and everything. Yeah. But I believe if... you. And it, but it's picking the right people as well, I believe. So there's a project I'm working on at the moment around universities, yeah. like a big fit, like to find the fittest university student. Okay. And it's it's, it's going to be like, it's going to happen next year, but we're bringing the right people onto that advisory board that yeah. are maybe parts of universities that have then got the sphere of influence in the university sector to go, we're in, yeah. you should be.
0: Yeah, okay. Once
1: again, or whatever sector you're in, If you have a really good advisory group or people that are trusted and you can go to them and say, what do you think of this? And you're going to get the truth.
0: Even if you're not running events. So for my company, for people listening, they should look at maybe creating an advisory board of some of their clients where they say these are five or six clients who are influential in their own right. Let me have regular dialogue with them about. How are they receiving my service? Is there anything yeah. rather than just surveying all of your clients yeah. and struggling maybe to get through all of that individually? Spend a bit more time with a small group of your clients yeah. and get their feedback. Make changes so that they become raving fans and go and promote. Exactly, you, but also yeah. so that you can deliver a better service. Yeah, totally. I've never thought about it like that before because we send Net Promoter Score surveys to all of our clients, and then we'll aim to go through all of the ones that are, say under nine. Yeah. And work with the client to rectify any issues and you still, or you improve still the service. That, but but if
1: you still could do but if you chose, for instance, different styles of businesses, sizes of business, yeah. and understood from a core group that you you believe in that they get what you're doing fully, yeah. then you get, and they're, they're going to be honest with you and say, well, this is not good, or this is yeah, really yeah. Good. yeah. Then you have more if you insight. Put them in the right then when you're speaking to those other people, yeah. you can say, Oh, you know, we've done a bit of research, we think this, and they might Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then
0: you actually really understand your customer instead of what most business owners do, which is just try and think, What does my customer need? That By I've, thinking, yeah, What do I need? And
1: I've seen that from CEOs I've worked with. Yeah. They are unwilling to engage with clients because they think then the client will get too much control. Yeah. And it's not. Or they're that. opening okay.
0: a box filled with snakes. Yeah. Right?
1: But that but that
0: to me Which is, they're not ready to open because they already feel so overwhelmed and busy.
1: Yeah. Or they they believe they are the only ones that know how to create what someone should okay. have. Yeah. I think that's the other thing of you know being open, being like almost a bit transparent, just totally being a bit vulnerable. Yeah, People here's what respect I think. That. But
0: I don't really know. You're the customer. You're yeah. the event attendee. Yeah,
1: I'm especially the client. You're yeah. what? How do you feel about what you're receiving from me? Yeah. Listen, that, that to me and like people take the piss out of me a lot of time. I listen a lot to people. Mm. Take all the information out, and I, I'll be on the phone to people non-stop all, every day. Yeah. Information gathering. Yeah, but. I always say like the more knowledge and information, as long as you use that information properly, then you become an, an expert yeah. or a specialist and then you can speak to, and then you get credibility, trust from those people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think there's
0: so much in there, whether you're running events or just running a business, utilizing someone else's network to promote your business yeah. and multiple people. That can be organic and free, but it can be massive.
1: It's like peer-to-peer networks as well. Which is
0: what, I know Andrew Tate, everyone's got a view on Andrew Tate, right? Leave that to the side. Yeah, yeah. What he was so clever at doing was saying, I'm not going to promote myself on my own social media account. What I'm going to do, I'm going to create this course, good or bad, and I'm going to say to you guys as affiliates, if you send someone to my course, you get 25% of the income.
1: Yeah.
0: Here's long-form content that I've put out, I want you to clip that up into loads of different reels. I've got no copyright, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. You make Instagram accounts, Andrew Take 1, Andrew Take 2, Andrew yeah. Take 10,000. You know about this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he used that it's to rate- create viral
1: global marketing. Yeah. And he paid the 25%. Yeah. Which
0: it's, is so smart.
1: smart. It is smart. It is very smart. And, and I think that the thing is, well, it goes back to that thing of... If people, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, if people buy into a vision, a concept, whatever it is. Yeah, those people are not just sending
0: people there for the money. They believe that his program, yeah. which is, I think, was kind of like how to start your own online business. And he had six different categories of business. And I right, think the okay. content is yeah. genuinely useful. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of them was how to start an Amazon dropshipping business, for example. It didn't right. tell you how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the you. thing is, if someone gets value from it, they're going to use it. Yeah. So everyone who then purchased the course then became an affiliate and it just grew and, grew, grew, and grew and grew. And that,
1: you know, I guess, you know, one of the businesses I've got at the moment that I'm launching, it will utilize the power of, um, I guess, X amount of people fully being immersed and going, we love this. Yeah. And then almost like this exclusive. I, I use a bit more of an exclusive where they get an invite. They can okay. invite one of their network yeah. to join what they're part of. Okay. So then, and then you can multiply that out. Can you talk about this yet? Is it a mastermind or do you want to? Yeah, I guess. Is it's, it going to stay secret until you launch? Okay. Well, essentially, it's a private members network. Peer to peer. Yeah. Private members network. Within it, an industry niche, like health and fitness? Or, yeah. Yeah,
0: okay. Um, Amazing.
1: So high level, really high level. High level right? Like I said earlier, looking at other markets where it happens, yeah. Looking at my own experience, looking, speaking to 10, 15 people that I'm close to or will be very honest with me at CEOs yeah. or C-suite, how do you deal with this? How, yeah, I 100%. Think. I
0: think masterminds are incredible. Everyone should be in a mastermind. Because yeah. as a business owner, you get stuck all the time. Yeah. And if you've got a group of six or eight people in a pod that you meet with regularly and you've got yeah. access to on a, on a shared kind of space, yeah. chat space, yeah, yeah. you never get stuck again. Well, and the thing and, is, it and, goes and back. it's not, yeah. people think, I don't want to talk to other people because they're in my space. But if you set it up correctly so there are eight businesses with all complementary services and, and, yeah. and, and the, 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 even if they're the same competing against each other, they would both do better if they collaborated. Yeah. But it yeah.
1: also then comes into like benefiting your business, yeah. but also um into your personal life. So as a CEO or top, you know, the pressures. And it's a lot about I'm going through this. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Whereas the feedback I've got from a lot of people, like everyone thinks I've got my shit sorted out, or it's actually really stressful and lonely and this, that, the other. Mm. If I could speak to a few That's other people. That's the other part. Be of it.
0: Yeah, being an entrepreneur is lonely. Yeah.
1: And, and I, mean, I found about it like your you know, I'm, I'm WhatsApping a few people, or when I've left one business and gone, how do I, I've never done this before? Yeah. Or create like a membership site. Wouldn't it be great to be part of a peer to peer network where there's a load of people and they go, well, have you thought about this? Have you done that? Yeah. Or well, i do X, Y, and Z. And then yeah. you, so that for me, Is using personal experience, but also speaking. Once again, I guess talking with you, it's actually a bit of like a DNA of what I use. Mm. Of get a group of people. It's not just me selling it to them. Like, do they genuinely go? Yes, there's a need for this. Yeah. If there is, go and create
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, and if I, I think it'd be incredible because if you've got experts in there that all have their own secret skills, superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. You've almost built this non-competitive genius group that just help each other elevate to another level. Yeah, and
1: it's like right. I need to get product to China. Well, I've done that already. Oh, right, okay, thanks for that. Right, I've going through this. I've done that. Yeah, it's amazing. So will that be coming
0: through twenty three group when you launch it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not sure when, but
1: yeah, that's that's something.
0: At the end, I'll get you to list your, you know, how people can get in touch with you, how people can follow. Yeah, so that because I'm sure that people listening would be interested in that and yeah. other things that you're up to. What so you've done body power,
1: that's successful. I'd imagine that continued to grow. What happened? It continued from to there? grow, and then I guess the uh, the big C came about. COVID. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, I think it got a huge trajectory. Um, and that bodybuilding was almost at the heart of it, but the industry was changing.
0: Yeah,
1: probably about. 2018 and there was a need to change it and I guess the other thing that I've learned is like internal politics like people have got to be open to change yeah change is scary for some people yeah but you've got to be open to change to adapt to move on
0: because so, what well, because primarily you know bodybuilding actually it gets more and more kind of cult and people move more and more away to functional longevity, health and fitness, wellness, yeah. and that sector is growing more. And by bringing the bodybuilding those people sector, in,
1: does that original audience feel as though they're being disregarded? Yeah. Whereas actually, I don't think that that world got smaller. Has got smaller. It's just the rest has got bigger. Yeah, at a faster
0: rate. I think bodybuilding yeah. is still probably growing, and more the transformation side of things. But people now are more aware of: is bodybuilding actually healthy? Probably yeah. not. Not if you're competing. Yeah. And you can see that in blood tests, in markers, immune values, anything. Yeah. You know, but people choose to do it and then recover their body after because of the experience, right? Exactly, yeah. I I chose not to compete this year because I sort of pre-dieted to see how I felt and got to the point even when I wasn't even super lean where I lost concentration at work, I couldn't focus for as long, I was more... I think a lot of people go on that journey, don't they? Yeah.
1: They'll like whether it's competing or getting, you know, at a certain age or going, I'll get completely shredded. And it's almost like a tick box. And then they come out the other side and go, that wasn't healthy for me. If I'm not professional, yeah. actually, how can I then become still lean, get in shape? And feel but, good and have focus. You know, and I'm it's not, just you know, priorities, isn't it? I want it, to
0: be able to optimize what I do at work. I don't want to be in a podcast feeling starving and then my getting a bit of, which I was. Yeah. Getting a bit of sort of brain fog 45, 60 minutes in because I can't I can't sustain my yeah, concentration yeah. for too long. That
1: that for me, and that actually with 23, it's and what I did with Performex, it's around how you perform.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's why I love the concept of Performax. So yeah. did Performex come straight after
1: Yeah, so I'd power? had like for a long while I'd wanted to change body power, the whole concept really, yeah. to evolve it. Clients once again were saying to me. We're seeing the same people. Yeah. You know, so how do you bring new audiences in? You've mm. got to then do, so do partnerships with a CrossFit competition. Look at, for me, strategically looking going, what else could you bring in that yeah. um, complements, but doesn't change the whole event um, yeah. and what, the, what it was there for. So I'd always had a view of what I wanted to do. Then I could see the market and the industry was becoming a bit more performance focused. Yeah. Um, and process and not just the outcome of the result. So, yeah, I guess Body Power actually was going through a sale in early 2020. And to those events out of interest, is the value
0: in those events like Body Power, we don't have to talk about specific yeah. numbers, but is the value in the list, the data capture and all of those things, the inter, you know, the uh, intangible value, or does that event actually make money?
1: Yeah, they, so the event... And it's one of the reasons I sort of moved the event over yeah. to made a good profit. Okay, like serious profit. So it
0: makes money, and it's also got an intangible
1: asset. It's got intangible, you. but what wasn't happening was none of that data has been utilized out of the two days.
0: Yeah, which we spoke about with Performax. You know, you yeah. want to be able to deliver an event and then deliver to support to the people that came to the event. Exactly. The year. Yeah, you've got a community ultimately, haven't you? And yeah, I've have you all talked. connected, networked yeah. like off the back of Performax? You know, I did my talk, which I didn't know how that was going to yeah. go down, talking about finance, accounting, tax, and all those yeah. things. But my the feedback was people loved it. People are
1: making Because interest, they went yeah. there
0: and they got educated over yeah. an hour on what but they do. If you need look at
1: uh, like a coach, like fitness professionals, they don't have the business skill. It's the biggest thing, yeah. and that, that I've been generalizing it, but they are good at coaching people around training. Yeah it doesn't always come naturally to them how to run a business or or how to do their finance or all those things. So actually someone that is an expert, putting it in the terms that they understand as well, suddenly they're like, I need to know this. Yeah, it's a gap,
0: even though they didn't necessarily realize they needed it. It's totally true. You do your PT qualifications or you open a gym or you're a yoga expert or you're an expert in, in women's, uh, physical and mental health but where doing any of that education have you yeah. been taught yeah. how, to, how to manage your finances yeah. how to exactly. reduce yeah. your taxes how to have a strategic plan how to manage your goals do you set goals do you not set goals yeah. like what does that look like how do you put money aside how do you, what do you do with the simple way to manage cash flow no one teaches you any of that and there are probably on instagram mainly three or four coaches that i think are good, they've gone and self-educated, built their own businesses up to high seven figures, therefore can teach others. But that's three or four people out of millions that are running health and fitness businesses. The rest of them, in my opinion, don't have a clue about what they're talking about. They've got no qualification whatsoever. And if you actually look under the hood of their business, they're still making low six figures, yeah. but they're trying to teach other people yeah. how yeah. to scale a successful business. And I think
1: that that was one of the things that drove me with the, I guess, the concept of the content app Formex mm. that you can, like social media has been so good for so many ways, but there's so many people just putting stuff out there. And I was thinking, I know about you or your business. Yeah not true. Yeah. So the ability to get the right people on the stage.
0: With the right qualifications. Yeah, that are
1: credible, trusted, yeah. all of those, going back to values, that they are the right people giving the information.
0: Yeah, so it cuts the noise. If you go to an event like Performex for two days, you know over those two days, the content that comes in front of you has already been vetted. Yeah. Whereas the problem valid- with social yeah. media is exactly what you said. Someone can say, do this to manage your cash flow, but do you, there are so many accountants out there at the moment now putting TikToks and building their TikTok yeah. really big, and giving tax advice. Um, But not one of them I've found is actually a qualified chartered tax advisor. So it's like, are you? I mean, I have an ACA, I'm a chartered accountant, yeah. but I would say that doesn't qualify me to give tax advice. CTAs they do another three years on yeah, top yeah. of the three years, Yeah,
1: yeah. but that's where they, you refer out or you yeah, we have someone in the team that just does
0: tax, yeah. so we get the information from him, and then I would put that out.
1: Yeah, exactly. If yeah. I wanted to talk, about and I think that, that's so. what I do with you know the speakers and all those things is you know female health was a good one this year. Like I knew who was one of the top people. Yeah. Then you get a lot of people saying, "I want to speak on this." We'll speak. And I went to that person and said. Can you check their content? And some of them should like, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, actually, some of that's good.
0: Yeah. So it's all... So then you are building your own advisory board who you can go to to look the credibility yeah, of speakers. Or,
1: or saying, you know, and I guess I've been in a quite unique position in the sense of I've known a lot of the people, but I can also go to certain people that I've got real trust and say, is that person genuine? Yeah. Like, or is it? bullshit on social. Yeah, because I think in health and fitness there are two circles.
0: There's this circle up here of credible, educated, qualified people who are either self-educated or traditionally educated. They don't have to go to private school and go to no. top university and do all these, they do
1: well, YouTube and post-grad yeah. and
0: all that stuff. If they've built their own business and, and they're credible, then, yeah. then that's fine. But then you've got this big pool down here, kind of like Red Ocean up here good people, very small, yeah. a massive blue ocean down here, Yeah, everyone creating content. You have no idea whether it's good or not, but most of it is not.
1: And the, and I guess a lot of that is for clickbaity or just to grow a profile. And yeah, because you can make money on social media yeah.
0: just based on what you look like. Yeah, You don't have to actually be a great uh, transformation coach, PT. Yeah, wellness coach, whatever it might be, it's not very all visual, things, right?
1: Yeah, and one of the things was actually those people that getting a blend as well for for me was really important. And speaking to the guys in the team of, yes, you want some people that have got big profiles because actually if you had everyone was just a real you know specialist had no social media profile, you yeah. wouldn't actually get the right audience coming because you use social media to drive a traffic now. Yeah, yeah, so you need that. Mix of people that are credible that yeah. have got a following, but also then entwine that with some real specialists in subjects that people yeah. are—they've—they are, would never have got the opportunity because they're just happy doing what yeah, they're they doing. They don't have the audience. They don't want to have a massive social Yeah, media, yeah, yeah. People actually—they're
0: yeah. writing for the times. They're speaking on the BBC. They're doing yeah, all these things. They're doing they they don't have own time to happy. create TikToks and that go viral. Yeah,
1: almost like academic sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's I'm trying to think of what you said originally, but yeah, that um, I like, think so you so body power was sold body body power uh, no, didn't that so okay. that was a big thing, yeah. so it got to March 2020, and the company that were buying it were a massive events company, yeah who all their events got canned, right. so that deal pulled out, okay, and then basically, a load of stuff behind the scenes was going on, go back to morals and values, mm. basically that's Phil and me. Like, we can't, you can't be involved with that sort of stuff going on. Yeah, um, resigned from that, and then just through obviously, I set my consultancy up and then had the concept. A couple of people approached, said, What are you doing? It was like looking at this, I guess, looked at working with an investor, yeah, um, for some, I guess, upfront cash and, and to get it going. Um, and from that point of view, yeah, put the concept together.
0: Yeah, of performance. Of performance. So who
1: came up with the name and the concept? I came up with the name. Yeah. There was a few names being banded around, but for me, because it was performance yeah. and experience, those were the two, like creating a great experience. Yeah. be more about performance, both in business, mentally, physically, whatever. Yeah. That name worked. Um, there was, I guess, between the team, there was a lot of people going, well, should it be consumer? Should it be trade? Yeah. Some of the guys wanted to be very consumer-led. And I was like, look, I've just come out of a consumer event. I don't want to do that again. Mm. Another big event had just launched, had done a good job. So for me, I also understood um, the landscape of the fitness world. So where you've got a trade show over here, or you've got a big consumer show over here. What I've been good at, I believe, is understanding the market and going, well, this gap here, modern-day training, PTs, there's no education show content. that the content drives the reason why people go. Yeah. So traditionally, a lot of exhibitions, a load of stands, people go along to have a look at the stands,
0: and then there's some talks around. Yeah, like the Great British Business Show or whatever it might be that I would never bother going to. Yeah. Because you go to it and you literally just walk around. You walk the around the
1: stand. And my the show
0: stages are tiny hmm. compared to the amount of stands. Yeah, right?
1: Whereas my view was, as per social media make the value the content is so valuable. That's yeah. why people will come along. Yeah. Drive that. And then yes, you've got revenue from the clients. Yeah. But they are there because they know the right buyers or the right decision makers or the right people are going along. Yeah. And it's not all me, like there's obviously been other people involved, but no. I feel like from a vision point of view and putting my head above the parapet type of thing and saying this is what it'll be. Yeah. Using the network that I'd had previously Speaking to 10 or 15 people going, look, if there was this concept, would you buy into it? Yeah, And getting those people signed up early. Yeah, Once you do that, then you get the domino effects and, and that type of thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so going from that, obviously, there's a few other guys involved, really looking at gaps in the market that aren't being catered for.
0: Yeah, I think that's a real lesson for for everyone is, which I don't really know what the technical word is for that. And I've not read a book sort of teaching about that. I never really thought about it because when I started an accounting firm, it was because I saw my wife's accountant not doing a good job. I'm and illicit, I thought yeah, I can do
1: yeah. I can
0: do that better. It wasn't like there was a gap, it was replication of an existing be, safe a, service, but do it yeah, better. But I, guess. I think there's
1: also that as well though, in events, for instance, you could see an event yeah. and go, It's been run for this market. Can we do this better? In can a different we way. Wait and create yeah. So there's there's either a gap yeah. or doing something better.
0: Okay. So the lesson then is you either strategically innovate, which is a term I learned from Tony Robbins. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's his term or he got it from someone else. I like else, that. But yeah, it's good. Strategic innovation is the constant looking at your service and saying what differentiates it from the rest of the market. Yeah. There are loads of examples in Blue Ocean Strategy is the book, okay. which is an amazing Third, book I've actually. Read it, yeah. Um, which talk about how you get yourself in a blue ocean instead of the red ocean. I think my earlier analogy, I've got it the wrong way around, red ocean is where everyone's competing, taxi Uh, drivers, blue ocean is Uber come along and say app. So it's just a slight variation. The other one is then to say, well, actually, which is what we're trying to do now, there's loads of accountants, there's loads of tax specialists, there's loads of business coaches, but is there someone that gets the finances in order, uses the financials to create a strategy, And at the same time is constantly underpinning it with a minimization of tax, almost like a hybrid business advisor. Yeah. So that's where we've now looked at your gap analysis. Where's there's a gap? Where is there a gap in what a business owner needs to fulfill their potential? Yeah. In my view, it's not having a separate strategic coach, tax advisor, and accountant. It's having one person delivering all of that. Yeah. Okay. But that's a big lesson for any business owner, is like you said, either make sure you're properly differentiated through strategic innovation or if you're at the idea stage find a clear gap yeah
1: yeah totally and I was with like a friend yesterday who's got a marketing recruitment company and I think actually having um, outside views can be really interesting mm. so he was talking about I think it was content creation yeah for marketing recruitment companies yeah and I was like well have you like that's something you do have you done an event for all the market, all the recruitment it's like that, but that's me coming from my world, yeah. looking at that product. And it's not fitness or health, but it's going, right, okay, so all of these recruitment companies, there's loads of them, mm. they need to change into TikTok. They're doing loads on TikTok apparently. You know, yeah. It's evolving there. I sound like a really old man, don't I? I go, oh, it's on TikTok. But yeah. I, I love TikTok. <laughs> but... And he was like, actually, yeah, we could teach them and educate all of those guys on what we do. But then the benefit off the back of that is you create that event, then you're creating a whole new load of clients. Yeah, 100%. So you're you're associated
0: with the experience, right? Exactly, yeah. 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 And we found that with um, speaking at PerformX and also being one of the headline sponsors is that then we did a lot of research up front as to whether the brand alignment, the values of PerformX aligned with Grow Factor. Yeah. When we found they did, which is professional, but also having fun, you know, yeah. the two yeah. combined, we wanted to be associated with it. And then because we were there and our name was on the bar and we had a DJ and all these things, everyone who went to that event came away with, okay, Grow Factor, aren't this stuffy charted accounts? I was
1: literally about to say, they're but pretty, if you look at it, trade shows can be stuffy. Yeah, you could go. Uh, some accountants could be seen as being stuffy. Yeah. Well, actually, if you've got a personality to it.
0: Yeah, because people buy off people, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's all relationships, especially with accounting. It's such an intimate relationship. For to move someone from their existing accountant that understands and looks at their finances to someone yeah. else, a really big decision. Um, and so. Are you still involved with Performax? So um, that was a raging success this year. I'm yeah, sure it's it'll brilliant. Be even bigger next year.
1: Yeah, and it'll grow. I think year three's for a lot of events is where it gets it's known and yeah. it can really grow. Yeah. So but I because you had Stephen Bartlett Stephen Bartlett headlines. That. Yeah, so first that was true, that
0: was so different to just listening to his podcast or reading his books or anything else. He spoke about something totally unique that I'd never heard before.
1: Yeah. And that was, room was packed out. People sat on the floor, people looking through the windows. Yeah. And it, it was amazing. But I think, And I think that, like we had Ben Francis in the first year as yeah. the headline, then Stephen this year. And actually, like from a strategic point of view, if we didn't have those guys headlining, you just had other people, it would have been good. Yeah. Now, Cost quite a bit of money but actually you've got to get those people I believe to create an identity for the show yeah you go right it's at that level yeah now you've got to sustain that or get someone or work it a different way for the next year but it's put it on the map yeah um yeah. so yeah going back to your question so I, I think I can't remember if I said but I about six weeks before I was like I had a bit of a what I don't know what the right moment word is, but I was like, why am I doing all of this for two days a year? Yeah, we spoke about that actually. It's such a big high.
0: But after an event or after something like that, you've also got that big low. Yeah. And then I guess you pick your dopamine back up again. We're talking about Peter Atia and Andrew and things like that. You probably got a month of feeling pretty crappy. And then you pick yourself up back into the promotion of the event. It's just this cycle. But
1: But also when you're speaking to clients as well. Yeah you're just talking about next year, next year, next year. And for yeah. me, going into it was always about a brand, yeah. building a brand that lived year round that, yes, the exhibition was a good revenue, but it wasn't the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I guess, it's not at that place to be able to be a bigger brand. It's got the exhibition. So there's a sales manager and a marketing manager. Yeah. So speaking with the investor and the guys, like, I basically said, look, step back, helps the cash flow of the business as well. Mm. Um, so I've sort of got a light touch on it Because the concept is there. Concept's there. Less it's run. Yeah, it's run. The checklists
0: and everything to run that again at yeah. a slightly higher scale. Yeah. But you're basically doing the same thing. You're 2xing, you're not 10xing then, are you? Yeah, exactly. And I guess you want to constantly be 10xing and doing new
1: things. Yeah, and I've got, you know, I've still got my equity in it. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, involved, but, I see a lot of other opportunity. And I think the other thing I've learned is, and it's not always a bad thing, is having a minority stake, you have an opinion. Yeah. You don't have the ability to influence it.
0: Yeah.
1: And for me, going into that as sort of the person that was, you know, people go, oh, you're the face of it or you're this. Yeah. Like, well, if you're putting yourself out there, but you don't have the full ability or a strong ability to make those decisions. Yeah, or changes that you might see going back to what you said, like I understood, I understood what actually it's not right for me. It's not saying it's, it's bad. It's rubbish. It's a great concept and it's a good event. It's got to work commercially and it'll evolve, but there's people in there now that can do that day to day. And that allows me to get involved in other things, work with other people, look at how I can launch new things, maybe work with businesses. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's exciting. And I think the other thing for me is I don't, I don't want to be known as just an event guy mm. because actually, like I said, I have been involved strategically working with clients' relationships. Yeah. I've never been an event person really, like yeah. logistical. Yeah. So actually it's about connecting, facilitating the right people meeting. And that's what you're doing now
0: through 23 Group, which is the concept of the high level mastermind if you want to call it that. Yeah, so we will have mastermind consultancy that you do for people and you've got your available I guess if people want to have your expertise in helping them yeah. promote their businesses yeah, through so events or through connections.
1: Yeah, so we've got that. We've got different events. We we've, we've also got a wellness arm to it, so corporate okay. and workplace wellness. Okay. So once again looking at the the connections the people I know, yeah. the content that they've delivered No, they're personal friends that I've brought into that business actually within the workplace wellness. HR people have got wellness budgets now, but they just don't know what to do because they don't
0: necessarily trust, I guess, as well. So if one speaker individually goes to that company that covers one element, that doesn't give them a syllabus through the year of what they can do with their team. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you can come in and say, Well, let's look at a 12 month wellness program for your team. Yeah. We'll bring people in. They'll You've do talks, workshops, blah, 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 sleep, blah, 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 stress, yeah. Hydration. And you can map it all out We've, for them. Yeah, the concept, and that,
1: that, that goes back to them having someone they can trust in. Yeah, that is going to bring the right people, experts that are going to deliver. Yeah, but we are once again facilitating. How them. have you thought of that?
0: This is just—I know—we need to sort of <laughs> wrap up <laughs> soon, but how have you just given yourself time to think and space to think? after stepping back a little bit from performance and then that idea has just come to you? Or are you constantly having conversations, just listening out for inspiration? Because I think it's really helpful for people that either have a business but want to pivot or are thinking about what business to start.
1: Yeah. I've always got my... Because that's such a good idea. But
0: have you had that idea for three years and now you're only starting it? Or did that idea come from a conversation or...
1: Yeah. So originally, so we did it pre-COVID with one company, a large corporate, and I think I mentioned off-camera. I was on a stag do, yes. and I was around a load of senior directors of a big company, and they were like, Will "You do this? Can you do this for us?" And I was yeah. like, "Yes." Going back to your question, I'm all. I'm always here. I'm always listening and engaging with people. Yeah. I think the one thing is not. Not getting distracted from if you've got a main focus, yeah, you've got to be on that. But I think a lot of business owners it's that being working in the business rather than on the business, and they're not open
0: to other things, you know. And if you're just in it, yeah,
1: you can't be thinking, How could we expand? What could we go? and and being strategic and ideas that for me, yeah, I'm going, Well, hold on a minute. I've got these connections or I know these people or this market needs this. Now, there's loads of people that do talks into workplace wellness, but do they have the credibility, the trust and the network to bring in the right people? Yeah, across a whole range of subjects through a longer term period. And come in and you then, they want to look good to their boss. Yeah. So they go, well, where do we spend our budget? Right, can we go to 23? And you
0: already understand the attract piece, the marketing, how to reach out to those HR directors. Yeah you already know about sales conversion because your sales background, yeah. and you've put people together. Joe, I think that's a really great learning lesson is that you have to put yourself in a situation, whether you're on a stag do or not, you were in a situation where you went for coffee in the morning because you guys were up and you weren't hungover, and that's because you were high-level senior people. Put yourself in a situation where you're hanging out, you're either networking, going for dinners in a mastermind your mates are different or whatever it is other people where you're going to be having these higher level conversations yeah. and
1: I yeah I say put yourself like, put yourself I I say it a lot there's so many times and I thought I can't be bothered to go to this event or I, yeah. I can't be bothered to go there and meet put yourself out there and it, at the end of the day if you're not there you're never going to meet that person no. if you put yourself out there and you've got to be quite strategic as well it's not into in a random thing where there's people that are not of who you want, and to and it'll be different with. things
0: for your level. When you first start out, it might be uh, something you book on Eventbrite because you don't have the authority or the credibility for someone to say yes, you can come to my high-level mastermind dinner because you've only just started your business. Yeah, but if you've been in business for twelve years like I have, or fifteen years like you are, yeah. and there's something going on that's of a high level, people will want you there because yeah. you're you've got authority, you're very credible and they know you'll bring something to the table. But the second point I think was, like you said, maybe have 80% of your focus on your one thing. You've got that vision, you're yeah. executing it. But always keep your ears open. You know, they talk about oh, the secret or awareness or willing things to happen. If you've got that ear open for opportunities, we went to tennis. We yeah. weren't planning on having a follow-up conversation after Performex. Yeah. We spoke, the kids were playing. We spoke about coming on the podcast. Yeah. One of our main niches at Grow Factory is health and fitness. I think on two levels. One, on a personal relationship level, I wanted to continue the conversation because yeah. I think we, we get we will get on well. Yeah. And secondly, like you said, you can open up a network for us, which is massive. And I'm sure in a reverse way, there's, there's a way that I can help you. So yeah. if I didn't have my ears open to that potential, we could have
1: just literally spoken
0: only about tennis
1: and then gone on our separate ways. Exactly, yeah. And I think you've... It's totally that. It's putting yourself out there. It's having, but having that conversation as well, isn't it? Like we could have been like, "Hi, how are you doing?" Yeah, and it's not and salesy. It's no. just
0: a genuine interest in what that other person is doing, because you're entrepreneurial, they're entrepreneurial, they want to talk
1: about their business. Yeah, totally. And I think you, you can tell. I. It sounds a bit strange. I always say there's people they either get you or you get them. Yeah, and they're your sort of person, and whatever it is. I could go around, it's probably the same for most people, actually, you could go to a social event and you're like, this isn't for me. Mm. But actually, you've got to, you know, I've done it in fitness events. There's something you feel maybe because you're more, like you said, when you're junior, yeah. you feel like an outsider. There's a clique. Yeah. But actually, over years, you then get involved. Yeah. And I've, I've had a few people that are new that I work with, go, I can't get in. It's so cliquey. And I'm like... Mm. That's because people have known each other and they yeah. know what they bring.
0: And your own perception and maybe lack of confidence and imposter syndrome at that stage because you're early stages. Yeah. But if you have an awareness of that and try and fight against it, not with false confidence. No. But just putting yourself out there again and again and that confidence and will grow. being seen there
1: and yeah, yeah being, just being, and I think it comes back, if you're a decent person, yeah. like that goes a long way. And don't give
0: up on physical networking just because there are 57 social media channels. Exactly, yeah. Because you can work remotely and you can sit in your office and you can do all of that. But the biggest steps forward in my business have been through physical interaction. Yeah, You know, events, Tony Robbins Business Mastery six years ago, meeting people that have then opened doors and had conversations and speaking at events and all these major big shifts have been physical, real yeah. world. Well, and I think I, I
1: was on a call on the way over actually, and the guy I was speaking to, there's an event coming up next week. And he was like, Well, like, if I try to email them or if I get an email from someone, I probably won't be that bothered. If they're in front of me, yeah. I'll have that conversation. Yeah. And for me, like the physical interaction is massive. Yeah. There's always going to be the digital element, but how can you either combine them? But you can see body language, you can talk to people, personality. Yeah. Uh, I remember at performance night, one of the guys i I work with a lot now, I wasn't planning, it was the night before Performex. Yeah. We had a dinner yeah. for about 70 key decision makers. I was gonna go back to bed. But I'm I also understand if I if they're like, come out with us, yeah. I'm not that person who goes, no, 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 I'm not going to, because yeah. I know if I'm out till two in the morning, as long as I perform be- well the next day and yep. it doesn't affect me, all your I'm building a relationship. Yeah. Yep. So it was St. Patrick's Day, it was like, yep. right, we're having some Guinness. So I was yep. like, okay, I'll do that. And there's a strategic reason, but I also got on with them.
0: Yeah, so be flexible sometimes in changing what you thought might happen if there's an opportunity there.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's that's my lesson is that put yep. yourself, be flexible, put yourself out there, be flexible and you never know who you're going to meet.
0: I think it's an amazing place to to, to wrap up. Uh, I think there's so many great things in there and there's definitely four or five key lessons that people can take that we haven't had on this podcast before. Having confidence, thinking big, 10x thinking, building a network, putting yourself out there, believing in yourself, getting in your discomfort zone. Um, making sure that you don't just try and market yourself, but utilize people that become raving fans, listening to your clients, yeah. and more and
1: more and more and yeah.
0: more. It's been really awesome having you on. Oh, it's
1: great chatting. Hope it's yeah, hope good
0: value. Massive <laughs> value. Like, hopefully you guys got as much from this podcast as me. I'm going to actually go back to this one and re-listen to it myself, because I think for my own business, there's so much gold in there, and I think it all applies Regardless of your niche, this one—if you're an individual coach or consultant, if you're in the health and fitness, you know, industry or not—if you're running a business or you're at the, you know, ideology stage—there's just so much in there, and I think a wealth of experience. So, thanks for coming down, Really
1: awesome. Appreciate thanks, it. We? Cheers. Nice one.